1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
2: We'll have to throw the song away. One, two, three, four. uh, uh.
0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans, here we go. Double feature this week. Checking out the new kind of kind of format. See if you guys like it. Obviously. We're back with a lot of your social media questions, Match Preview with Arsenal. And as we promised, we are going to be talking to the CEO of uh, Veterans Community Project to highlight what we did with our fundraiser. And and, and as we promised, we will announce the winners at the end of that segment. So make sure to listen if you're one of the 40 people who uh, did donate because we have a ton of winners through that. Uh, But bringing it back, we do have Dan. We do have Nick and we have Mike all in the podcast studio. So welcome back, gentlemen. Mike, obviously getting you back in the fold a little bit. This is kind of your first full season with the podcast. We're pumped to have you join in on the audio side now too.
3: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I look at myself as a, a bit of a Giroux signing. You know, came in at the winter break and hopefully uh, a good second season. That'd be a well. Great. You
1: also have a nice beard too, so that works out. Well, well. True. Yeah, yeah. comparison I, I, is strong.
3: Yeah, 100% pro beard. I, I heard you making uh, comments in that last episode, so we'll, yeah, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> this is the kind of abuse that I
2: deal with on this show, and it—if that—that's
1: if if, the only abuse you receive in life, you're, you're doing pretty well.
2: <laughs> it's frankly <laughs> disgusting, though, and I must—I must put I must that up.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I got your back. Yeah, well, kind of like we said, obviously, uh, you know, we just want to expand the amount of content we're giving you guys every week. So this is a a big part of it. So um, obviously, before we get into the uh, interview with with Chris, like I said, we just want to uh, reiterate to you guys, we're trying some stuff new, so feel free to get in touch with us and and let us know what you like, what you don't like. And we're going to keep, you know, just looking at new ways to get more and more content out this season. And we're really, really excited about our fifth season being uh, you know, by far best that we've ever had. So, uh, we just want to, you know, do better by you. So, so let us know, um, Nick, I just, I guess I'll kind of let you walk us into this. Obviously, um, you know, we, we did the raffle, uh, you know, we, we hooked up with Jake Cohen, got us, uh, some sweet swag, provided some of her own. Um, but what are the listeners going to be hearing in this quick segment?
2: Yeah. So Chris out who is the CEO of Veterans Community Project is on just to talk about the mission, um, the, you know, kind of, different phases that they're growing their, uh, their venture into. And and yeah, we're, we're just super pumped. Just a couple of big thank yous. One to Chris for joining us, and the second to Jake Cohen, who uh, donated all of, you know, well, I'd say 90% of the um, raffle items that you saw on the site. Uh, we are humbled. Uh, we are proud. And you, you'll find out the uh, kind of the final tally of, of the results here in a second. So with no further ado, lead in.
0: All right. Well, as promised, we have part two of this week's podcast. And to kick it off, before we dive into the social media questions, we actually have an awesome update for you guys on the charity raffle that we did. In case you missed it, the London is Blue podcast with support from Jake Cohen set up a charity raffle to support the Veterans Community Project. This is something dear, To Nick's heart, as is in Kansas City, where he lives, something that he has been connected to, uh, and he asked us to jump on board as a as a team and support it, and we did. So here we go. Over the last five weeks we set a goal of $1,500. Remember guys, this is something we've never, ever done before. This is brand new outside of our comfort zone. We've never asked you to support a charity and you guys delivered far and above anything we ever could have imagined at $2,294 raised. Absolutely phenomenal. 40 donors and over 20 or 2,099 people even visited this, which That's just creating awareness. So again, claps, hands off to you guys. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, And a special thing we have here, Nick, um, and we also have Mike on the line, is we have Chris, the CEO of Veterans um, of VCP. And we wanna welcome you to the podcast, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. All right, well, let's kick off some questions, Nick. I'm gonna go ahead and defer the first one to you.
2: Yeah, Chris, I mean, obviously, we're all uh, very excited about the about the progress of the charity raffle. But we really wanted to, to get you on the show to talk about uh, the mission with Veterans Community Project. I mean, we'll we'll get into the the tiny homes thing, which is kind of, you know, I think the more famous part of what you guys do in a second. But you guys offer more than just the, you know, the temporary home or temporary housing solutions, correct?
4: That's absolutely correct. You know, uh, you know, when I'm traditionally telling people about what we do, I like to tell everybody that the tiny houses are the um, the shiny penny. It's kind of what draws everybody in. But uh, the meat and potatoes, what we truly do is our wraparound services, whether it's the stuff that we provide in-house or it's the fact that we're capable of connecting them to all veteran-centric uh, resources. And uh, some of those things are Information referral, housing placement, job placement, uh, free legal services, uh, food pantry, clothing closet. Um, You know, uh, we do our free bus pass program. So all veterans in the Kansas City market um, can ride public transportation for free. Um, What I like to do is uh, not have an all comprehensive list because if somebody comes in with a unique problem, we want to figure out how to solve it. And that's kind of what we want to be is the one stop shop to kind of solve all this stuff for these guys.
2: And, and to this point, do you have uh, even a rough number of how many veterans you've been able to assist, at least in the Kansas City
4: market? So we, on average, we serve about 30 to 30, 30 veterans a day um, in our outreach center, and that's just a normal slow day. Traditionally, when the temperature changes, gets hot, gets cold, uh, that number you know spikes to around 70. Um, we've estimated that we've served more than eight thousand veterans since we opened up last march wow i, I mean
2: that's a super impressive like I, i'm having met you at a at a luncheon not too long ago like it was very easy to tell uh that you guys are the real deal um so one of the reasons that we put this raffle together is um because i i believe in your project and i believe in what you guys are doing can you can you take us through really quickly the the tiny home scenario and like First of all, where that came from, where that idea came from, and then also um, what the work has looked like
4: through phase one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, your guys' support, first of all, uh, it's humbling, you know, because without guys like you and, uh, you know, our community, we wouldn't even be here today. Um, You know, we uh, we started, uh, you know, in my kitchen, for lack of better terms, and then, you know, a, a bar every Monday. Then we outgrew the bar and, you know, I had to get a little more serious And it was my kitchen. And then, you know, we outgrew that. But um, as we grew, we had more and more supporters just like yourself that, you know, just truly believe in what we do. And you you believe in a common sense approach to serving veterans. So, again, thank you so much. Um, So the tiny houses, um, a little bit about those. We currently have uh, 13 on ground uh, with uh, residents in every single one. The houses are 240 square feet, and uh, uh, we have four that we, I will call a family unit. Um, we can fit up to six people. Those are 320 square feet. So um, the, the tiny houses are self-sufficient, hooked up to city water, sewer. Um, I would call it a market grade. And, and to be quite honest, uh, the homes were designed for, um, you know, I hope my wife's not going to hear this, you know, for when she kicks me out. So I have somewhere <laughs> you know, decent to go. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's it. And you asked about phase two as well, right?
2: Yeah. So really quick before we get to phase two, you, you guys set this thing up in a, in a village and it's called veterans village. Um, is there, you know, a purpose behind, you know, building a community, you know, even where, you know, veterans who might've falling on hard times or, or living kind of amongst each other and and having kind of a community uh,
4: appeal? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're on about five acres, um, and all together we'll have the 50 houses um, when it's all said and done. Um, but the idea was um, if we could bring those guys together in a communal living, they could support each other and they could start healing much faster than if we were to just, um, you know, put them in various places across the city, rehab, old homes. The idea was to bring them in. Um, and for anybody that's ever served, they understand that barracks mentality, right? Nobody wants to be the lowest guy on the totem pole in the barracks, right? Nobody wants to be the guy with the worst uniform in the barracks, the messiest room in the barracks. And so we kind of believe it, you know, bringing them back to that whole military lifestyle, that communal living, uh, you know, you have your brothers in arms to kind of lean on. That's the purpose of the village. Um, it's not necessarily about convenience. It's for these guys. You know, we believe that some of the best times when they thrived the most was whenever they had that communal living. And, uh, and I will tell you that these guys have risen to the challenge. You know, of our 13, you know, there's a guy that they call the mayor and he, uh, you know, will cook meals for everybody. And then, um, just the other day, uh, you know, I had an opportunity, uh, I was in the office and one of the veterans had come in and he's like, Hey, I'm concerned with, another veteran you know i took him out to dinner i know he's not working but you know i wanted to talk to you about him um you know he he's talking about maybe transitioning out you know prior to the end of the program but i don't think that's right for him he is like what can we do to keep him in so what's really really cool is that these guys are kind of rising together to serve each other so it's uh, a really really neat thing that uh you know is is happening with these uh you know these service members
2: that's that's amazing and i think like your your purpose behind that makes a lot of sense all right phase one is 13 what's phase two look like and and
4: where can some of our dollars go to help yeah yeah so phase one was 13 uh we knocked that out at the end of january uh you know so they've been living there for about six months but phase two uh that's the exciting piece so we just actually laid um all of our pads down for the rest of the village so um for those of you that have been out there and have seen it um, it looks much different than it did just a few weeks ago. Uh, phase two has started. It's another 13 homes. It's on the east side of the, our, what we call the through road. And, uh, and we started framing them. We've, uh, I think we've got four houses framed to date of that uh, second phase. And the expectation is to have
3: them all done by Veterans Day.
4: So we're going to have a big, nice ribbon cutting and uh, ceremony and uh, move another 13 veterans in.
3: Hey Chris. So we know that you are expanding to Nashville and St. Louis. Um, is the overall plan to go national at, at some point?
4: Absolutely. So uh, we are expanding. You know, uh, we're reached out to by a number of uh, groups and cities uh, every single week. And uh, you know, I think at last count we we're over 650 inquiries. You know, what what can we do to bring VCP to our city, our municipality? Uh, what can we do to replicate this? You know, will you meet with us to, you know, uh, share your secrets and, you know, your successes and, you know, things like that. Um, so absolutely, it is our goal to be, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we want to end veterans homelessness. You know, you know that's what we want to work for. We want to totally work with the vet, you know, hash out all those, uh, those issues that kind of made the, the um, situation happen. And we want to, you know, fix it. So if we could end homelessness altogether, absolutely. I think that's what requires us to be in multiple cities, major mi- municipalities. So like you said, uh, St. Louis, uh, Nashville, and then uh, also, uh, I know this is kind of uh, news to everybody, but uh, we're working in the Denver, Colorado area. We, oh, that's uh, awesome!
2: I yeah, will fantastic.
4: Tell you I will tell you, it's moving uh much faster than uh Nashville and St. Louis at this time and it looks like we might have houses up by this time next year.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I I mean just applaud your efforts, man. I mean it's it's incredible to see this thing kind of expand from from where we are in Kansas City, you know, throughout the Midwest and then I think eventually the, the model will catch on with everyone else. Um you know, to kind of wrap up, you know, beyond this charity raffle, which we've had forty total donors for, and, and we can't thank them enough. We'll we'll, we'll do a little bit of, of sneak peek into who won our, our fabulous prizes here at the end. But beyond the charity raffle, what can people do to support your efforts, either either with dollars or, or with effort?
4: So we, I think uh, one of the best things about Veterans Community Project is is that we provide um, individuals. a a wide range of opportunity to kind of give back and support our, our service members. Um, and it's not always with dollars. A lot of it's with time, uh, you know, swinging a hammer, helping, uh, build these homes. Uh, if you, if you go to our website right now, there's a volunteer now tab. And we used to have a bunch of, Hey, Hey, come support us at this event, this event, this event. And I will tell you, it's all switched to, if you're going to volunteer, you're going to swing a hammer. We're building houses. So, um, those are ways that you can give back. But, you know, there's also other ways. There's uh, come in and help build hygiene kits and uh, food packs and uh, or learn how to make bus passes so you can do that. So just resume writing workshops and, uh, you know, interview uh, training, you know, for these individuals. I mean, we have so many opportunities, and uh, all of our veterans, you know, take advantage of everything that our, our donor base, our volunteer base kind of throws at them. You know, I think that's what's allowing them to be so successful.
2: So, so if you have a talent, you will figure out a, a place, even if it's not
4: swinging a hammer, for, for someone to help out. Oh, absolutely. And for anybody that knows Veterans Community Project, they, I think they, they recognize that to be the truth. One of uh, the co-founders is Brandon, and he doesn't really have any talents, and you know, he's still around there. So <laughs> we, you know, I'll go ahead and tell you. I mean, we, we find things to do. Uh, you know, for people to do, because we, I think we recognize that um, it's the, it's the opportunity to interact with the people that they're serving that is truly valuable. So to wrap it
2: up, people can find you on, on Twitter at VCP underscore HQ, Instagram VCP underscore HQ and on Facebook as well, right?
4: Yes, sir. They can on all three. And I, I, on Facebook, it's just veterans community project. Um, you know, and always hit our website. Uh, we're always updating it. There's, um, information about our annual events. There's information about, uh, volunteering and our, our needs within our outreach center and our, uh, you know, our building needs and things like that. So yeah, that's stay, stay connected social media We're we are very active via social media, but, uh, you know, and if you guys have questions, you know, call the building, come by You know, come see us at 8900 Troost
0: awesome well we will continue to encourage you guys um like i said for me not being in Kansas city got to know you guys over the last um you know almost couple of months and it's really really cool to see what you're doing um what the the exciting news for us is is that through Jake cohen and our ourselves we were able to source some amazing prizes for uh, the people who donated and this is where the raffle gets to kind of come to a close because we have winners we we are announcing winners so uh, if you donated, this is what you want to wait for. So Eric, uh, he got a signed Frank Lampard photo pack. Connor won. Chad won. He he actually won twice because he donated so much. Eric Jr. is in there. <laughs> Edward, Michael, Mark, Bradley, a double winner. Again, we're talking signed Chelsea kits, Chelsea whiskey glasses, London is Blue podcast shirt and pin, a 2016-17 program, and even an FA Cup final flag and ticket stub tons of other prizes that we were able to give out. Again, head to, uh, uh, you know, I guess our our social media handles to see everything, but we will be contacting winners immediately to notify them that they've won and their prizes. So again, just a huge round of applause to all of our 40 patrons that donated. Uh, again, Chris, for your time, jumping on the pod uh, and helping us amplify your message and, and absolutely best of luck to you and the team as you continue to, to expand the United States. You guys are doing amazing work. Thank you.
4: Well, thank you guys for everything that you guys have done for us. You know, we are, we're truly humbled and we're grateful for everything. Um, We look forward to, you know, um, growing our partnership with you guys and everybody else that involved and, you know, for any of the donors, um, you know, we're humbled by your support as well. So thank you for your service to Kansas City's veterans.
0: Awesome. All right, listeners. Well, now it is time to move on to our social media questions.
4: So we
2: are back quickly with, uh, with just an announcement that we wanna put out there just to get people thinking. Uh, we've uh, we've done a lot of digging on our, on our London trips over the last year and a half. Uh, something that we're working currently on with our partner, XL Tours, is setting up another trip uh, to London this year. We don't have all of the final details organized yet, but wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up as we finalize those details this week. Uh, we're looking at a, uh, a trip potentially over the New Year holiday, uh, so kind of post all of your, um, you know, previous holiday gatherings and get-togethers. We, we were thinking about that as a, a landing date. Um, we will have more details in you know coming over the next couple of weeks, but we want to give plenty of time in case uh, you want to do some sort of payment plan option uh, that you'll have time to do that. So if you have any questions or comments or concerns, uh, either DM us or email us. Uh, which is contact at London is blue podcast.com. And as soon as we uh, get those, we will answer them and we will release the details uh, of the trip over the next uh, week or so. So stay tuned.
0: All right, as promised, your social media questions coming at us. We're going to start with our Patreon members. Actually, you know how how it goes. You you join up, you, you get some priority here. So Reed asking, going forward, what is our strongest lineup? Is Alonzo okay at left back? Luis and Rudiger best at center back? Marata at center forward? Where will Callum hudson Adoy get his minutes? Second half was fun to watch. I hope it carries over versus the Gunners next Saturday. So, Mike, you know, we a lot of us already gave our opinions uh, in the match review this, this earlier in this week. So uh, let's pull you in on this. I mean, he's talking about Alonzo versus Emerson, our center back pairing in Marata. Um, wh- what do you think our strongest lineup is so early in the season? Yeah, I, I think
3: I'm going to have to go Emerson over uh alonzo i I love alonzo and i think we'll miss um you know what he adds from from the from free kicks and whatnot uh but i think overall from a defensive look emerson is going to need to be on the on the field uh it it will match speed that that we have not had in the last year or two uh, overall I think center backs uh, I'm excited about this I know we, we were talking previously about that I definitely noticed Rudy on the right I, that was definitely an interesting look um, but to me I think instead of playing a, a flat four I think you'll see Louise kind of crashing forward with like kind of a stopper sweeper look um, and I think the two of them will kind of interchange and, and it'll let you know uh, Louise you know Marad forward and have backup uh, with, with real speed in Rudiger. Um, I pray that Murata gets his stuff together. Um, but I, I have no real faith in that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And as far as, uh, Hudson Adoy, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do.
0: Alright, well, you know, there's there's a lot of season, a lot of minutes. I know Dan kind of talked about Europa League and, and FA Cup and, and Capital One Cup. Hopefully, you know, for minutes for all like these fringe guys or to maybe give them even an opportunity to break in and, and really show what they can do. So, uh, you, know, maybe, you know, maybe the Europa League is a blessing in disguise, actually, because you usually don't take it that serious until you get into the knockout round and... Um, You know, unlike the Champions League, you always play your best 11. You know, the Europa League might be might be a bit of a proving ground for some of those fringe and younger players. Uh, Speaking of younger players, Nick Caleb um, asked, which young English midfielder will sorry turn into Chelsea's Homsic? Barkley or RLC? And then he also says, or will both be out of the first 11 for Kovacic? You know, with Mateo in the last pod, I think we all agreed, right, that uh, Kovacic, Jorginho and Conte are going to be the three. Um, I don't think Barkley and RLC play the same position. I think RLC is much better suited to be box to box. But what do you, what do you think? Do you think either of them will really break in?
2: I would bet on Ruben Loftus-Cheek over Barkley. And if you heard part one, you, you will know that I'm not super high on Barkley. I hope he gets it together. I hope everyone is performing at 100% this year, obviously. Obviously. Uh, but I, I think Ruben is, is better poised uh, to succeed under this system. Uh, we all agree, though. I, I don't think you bring in Kovacic unless you saw a glaring need for another midfield addition. And I think the odds of him playing a huge role this season, especially in the Premier League, are huge. So, you know, I, I think it will be N'Golo Kante, Jorginho, and, uh, and Kovacic uh, as our uh, as our starting three midfielders, So, again, it's going to be up to Ruben and or Barkley and or Sesk and or anyone else um, that we currently have on the roster to prove to uh, Maurizio Sari that they are the, uh, the option to start. So it'll be up to Ruben.
0: So, Dan, actually, this is interesting. Kovacic and Barkley are both 24, Ruben is 22. No matter who's in that third spot, uh, not a lot of experience coming in. It's going to be a young... Uh, you know, midfielder to to take that third spot.
1: Well, the the nice thing about all this, you know, bringing in an extremely young keeper and having you know these kind of youth players that are young people young in their career, you know, typically Chelsea has gone after uh, after players who are in their you know very late twenties and who are at the very peak peak of their career. Is you you hope that some of these are candidates for invest in at a little bit of a lower rate before they peak and then get them tied down to a long-term contract you know i think there's no there has to be a thought in chelsea's mind that if kovacic is having an incredible season that they are going to look to acquire his talents permanently and have him be a fixture at Stanford bridge for quite some time and even his instagram post in saying goodbye to real madrid for a season-long loan (laughs) <laughs> have felt like a permanent goodbye um, and a much more graceful one than some of the goodbyes that we've seen recently. So in, in with that in mind, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited. And I think to you know Nick's point is that Ruben has to focus on the tactical pieces. And that's what Sari has talked about in his assessment of the player in public. So you know, to me, that is a note to Ruben to listen to what Sari is saying. And I'm sure he's doing it that he wants to see a level of technical ability that he does not see from him currently. And that's also why we went in for someone like Kovacic and got him and brought him into the side is because that's what he's looking for right now. And so whether it be Barkley, whether it be Ruben Loftus-Cheek, one of those two is going to have to find a way to be more technical on the ball in a way that they aren't currently to excel and be that next option or that next in the, the depth chart, essentially for our midfield. Oh, yeah, come on. Kovacic, like Real Madrid were like, hey, Mateo, we're
0: just on a break. You're going to go hang out with Chelsea for a while, but you'll come back. He was like, peace, I'm gone. He's like, I'm never coming back. <laughs> I mean, that was a hard <laughs> breakup. There's no coming back from that. Um, all right, Eden Hazard. We got a ton of questions on this. I'm actually really excited about the first couple. Uh, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ping the first one your way. So Shane, also on Patreon, saying... I have questions about Hazard's captaincy and if Maurizio will have to adapt his style to our maestro as much as Hazard will try to learn Maurizio's style. And, and then another follow-up on this one being the captaincy from at Chelsea underscore mate on Twitter saying, do you think giving Hazard the captaincy will be a good move or a desperate move to hold on to him? I, I kind of, I smell a little bit of desperation from the club on, on Eden Hazard being captain.
1: You need to buy an air freshener then. What do you do? You <laughs> oh just, so it God. does stink. In Desperation. So
0: you're saying it does stink? There, no, no. There I'm is saying if, if, you're,
1: if you have an odor in your spear, because uh, obviously we don't all record together. Um, it smells like sunshine and rainbows and flowers and dandelions where I am. Um, because I think the idea of Hazard being captain just makes 100% sense. I mean, look, no, no one is ever going to be JT, right? So if we're trying to compare whoever the next captain is for Chelsea to the caliber of JT, like that's not, that's not a fair comparison. It's also like trying to say, well, we're going to compare and to Alexis Sanchez. You know, that that's also not a great comparison because you know, Nizar is just so much better. And I think from that mind, it was when you look at Enhazard Hazard and you look at what he did with Belgium as the captain there, it's very clear that he can take on and shoulder a leadership role. And, you know, it's great that Azpilicueta could be our, our backup captain there, but to me it's Enhazard Hazard captain, Azpilicueta vice captain makes 100% sense for Chelsea. He's not a desperation move. It is more to basically just anoint it and say, like, look, you know, we this is your team, right? Like, the, you are the player here that we rely on and that we count on, and we are putting a supporting cast around you that's going to make it happen. You know, similar to, you know, as Nick would kind of probably align it to, maybe a little bit like what Le- you know LeBron got at Cleveland, right? Like, he got to be the guy, yet they continue to put players around him to make him successful. But it, it was his team. And, you know, same thing for Ed and Hazard. It's his team. They put players around him. You know, very talented players this season have come in this window to help elevate the quality of game that we could deliver, and the way that and Hazard is going to have a chance to play on the pitch this season. And I think Mauricio Sari is going to do as much to elevate Hazard as Hazard is going to do to help enact his you know his game plan on the pitch. You know, it's never 100% my way or the highway. Mauricio Sari has continued to label himself a coach. You know He's going to find ways to take the most advantage out of Hazard as possible. And if that's adapting a little bit of the plan and the philosophy to mesh Hazard in 100%, then that's what's going to happen. You know, it's, okay. uh, If you've seen Pacific Rim, like it's the two people in the Jaeger operating it together. And it's Mauricio Sarri and N. Hazard. And this is for Mike. So when he makes the graphic for the, uh, the artwork for this episode, there you go. It's done. I did it for you. The idea is right there.
2: Um, can I, can I jump in really quickly here? Please, Cause like, please do here, here's what I don't want to have happen. And I guess I'm, I might say something controversial here, um, but I don't want the team or I don't want Maurizio Sari to feel pressured to give hazard the armband so that, you know, he feels even more responsibility to stay at Chelsea. My, my hope is that hazard has grown as a player and grown as a leader and he has proven to his teammates that he is the guy to lead moving forward. I, you know, I, I said this in our season preview that I think Dave is is my choice for captain as of right now. Um, I'm not going to be upset if Hazard is the captain. I just hope that it's not done in a desperate move to get him to not consider Real Madrid anymore. I like that's my only fear, and that's what I, I've heard on Twitter, and that's what I've heard from other people as well. Is that like, hey, if we give him the captain's armband? It's going to put the pressure on him not to leave. No, I hope he wants the captain's armband, and I hope he wants to be that leader. Because up until, you know, I'd say the last year or so, that's not been his personality, at least at least to the outsider. It's not been something that we've been, like, definite leader, definite guy. You know, like, he's, he's evolved into the Belgium captain, you know, uh, over, you know, a period of years. And I just, if we are saying... That we're all in on Eden Hazard. We're going to give him the contract. We're going to give him the players. We're we're going to basically do the LeBron thing that, that Dan mentioned. Great, you know. But let's let's hope that in in reciprocation that he just goes out and has his best year as a leader and a player because LeBron did that, right? Yeah. Agreed.
3: I, I got to step in and and no offense to anyone on Twitter, but. Nobody gives a shit about uh, a captain's armband. This isn't high school. The difference between you know Eden having this for Belgium was that he had you know he had a Lukaku, he had a KDB, he had uh, you know Mishi, uh, Axel w- Witzel. I mean those were the differences and he was playing for his country. I don't think offering an armband is going to sway any player in today's game from you know doing a dream a dream move if, if that's what their dream is. And, and that's my take.
0: Sure. It's it's, it's not going to be a deterrent. But I, I think I think Eden would take it seriously. I think he would step into I that role. I do too. Role. You're right. And like I said, so I, I like your take, Nick, on the, th- on the fact that he, he has to want it. it. We're not just giving it to him because it's like, oh, we think you should be the new symbol of the club. Because in that sense, it's like, no, Dave makes way more sense. Because Eden can still go ball. Like he's been without it, you know, so.
2: Yeah, some some players really like the pressure of being kept, like JT loved the pressure and some some other players don't. And like if he wants it, fantastic, man. Like no, no one on this show is going to be like, "Uh, I'm not so sure. Fantastic. You know, but if if that's not where where we're going with this and we're spending a lot of time on it because it's potentially the next big move that sorry has to make. Then you know I just I'd just rather have Dave be the captain and and take the pressure off.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I also don't see Eden Hazard, you know, running down a referee to yell at him like Dave will do. So there's always that. (laughs) Um, Okay, here we go. Next one up from Mike Quinn six nine six nine six nine with Tebow recruiting Eden to Spain. Are you worried about our beloved wizard leaving? Um, You know. Give me a moment, Mike. Here uh, on on this whole Thibaut Courtois leaving Chelsea thing. All right, uh, <sighs> as the goalkeeper union uh, member, I have been unbelievably just like so upset and and just riled up by the crap Thibaut is pulling, uh, publicly courting Eden Hazard, publicly kissing the badge twice for Real Madrid, saying he's home. All this bullshit. And then also putting out a statement saying, I hope I know the Chelsea fans are mad for now, but I hope they remember the good times. Tebow, you asshole, there are way more bad times than good right now. And the way that you are, like, separating the fans... And just like, you're saying one thing and then your actions all go do the other thing. And this was the most frustrating thing that I defended you over. Every time you went on international breaks, like, yeah, you know, he's misquoted, yada, yada. He's just, cause he's not at Chelsea. Every time he comes back, he's great. Like. You're you're a worse version of Diego Costa. We loved you when you were here, but we would hate to play against you. Now we loved you when you're here, but now we just hate you. And and the fact that Atletico Madrid fans and Chelsea fans are getting together to like throw toy rats at you, you should just like I'm sorry, you played your hand wrong over and over, and now you have to reap the sentiment that you get. I'm just I'm so like unbelievably Ooh. upset about it. Just, the fire, baby. Yeah, I'm done with the it. fire. I spent too much time Drop defending and then he goes and pulls that shit. It was unbelievable.
2: Dude, I what I will say, typically I would be the most angry about something like this and I actually don't care that much. <laughs> like the, the the what I saw from Brandon and Dan and Mike this week was so entertaining and so fun. <laughs> That like I just sat back and looked. I don't give a shit about Courtois anymore. Like he's already out of my memory. He's gone. He's done. Like when I saw Czech play today, I was like, oh yeah, I love that guy. You know, uh, he he's still he's still my guy. Uh, Courtois, you know, see you, dude. Like I ho- I I genuinely hope that you don't flop. Wink.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, you would know be really exciting is next year when we're in the Champions League league draw and we get to, like to the knockout round and we get Real Madrid and Hazard puts two past Courtois and like just runs away like tongue out laughing doing his normal <laughs> thing that that's like the future that I'm envisioning because again like it man like he could use a really great publicist. I don't know if you if, if there is someone out here in in the sphere of people that listen to our show who's a publicist and you know Spanish and you know uh french and you have a passport to work in the european union you should go find courtois agent and help that man because he is bad at this he's just awful at it he can't keep his legs closed and the other problem is he doesn't know how to do public relations so i mean again we're spending a lot of time talking about someone who is not with the club anymore and that's on him and, you know, I think, Mike, you were the one we are going to kick it to first, so you should get your piece so we can bury this conversation and just get really excited again about Keppa and how good he looked in his debut.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think Brandon might be upset more because he has to admit to me that Courtois was a classless piece of shit, which I've been arguing for some time. But, you know. I never
0: said he wasn't. Okay.
3: Well, you were there to defend, and that's Correct. okay. I will, hand, um, I will hold my hand up. Yeah. The, you know, the...
2: the, the Really quick, I'm going to give Mike props. Mike created a a St. Kepa image this week um, that was modeled after St. Patrick, who drove the snakes out of Ireland, which I thought was the best piece of creative that came out of this whole deal. Back to you, Mike.
3: Yeah, I I would say the one thing kind of transitioning to... Kepa which I won't talk about that other Belgian guy anymore um, I saw a quote um, from Rudiger saying that while Kepa is a very quiet dude in practice in his personal life that he was out you know effectively doing what Georgina was doing and marshalling and yelling and and telling his back line what to do and I think that's another aspect in which we saw that with Czech and we had you know we also had JT to do that as well and once once came in he was very quiet and timid in those aspects and i think i think our back four will profit so much from a keeper who can communicate to them because no matter how good you know you know one of the center backs is communicating having those eyes behind your back it's you know you can't you can't replicate that so i'm super excited about kappa and that's my piece
0: all right well let's keep the keppa train going at nelson johnson2 on twitter saying whose season total will be higher keppa's clean sheets or Maratta's goal mania i love this one dan i figure uh this is something right up your alley as well with all the i don't know just the the funny word play on this but what do you think you know keppa's already with an early lead one nothing between Maratta's goals and clean sheets
1: yeah so uh so interesting enough one of our uh our kind of accounts that we kind of connect with often uh addicted to cfc uh aiden you know hit us up and gave us some thoughts on racha's goal scoring from last season and one of the things in the first half of the season you know his expected goal plus assist over 90 minutes was going to be about like eight goals per you know eight goals and assists per 90 minutes um second half of the season obviously huge turn down it was a uh, 0.49 so almost, you know, like. basically close to getting like half of what his expected volume was. So goal numbers first half were quite good. If he had maintained the numbers that he was on the trajectory for at the beginning of the season, he actually would have been the seventh highest goal scorer of all the last season. So I think there's some level of thought that if big, if, if sorry can help unlock or decode the, Air, you know the computing error that's occurring in Morata's brain, that he could still come good and be a fantastic striker for us. And I would actually say that in this game, even though he didn't score, that he actually played a really solid game compared to maybe some of the uh, previous appearances we saw at the uh, the tail end of last season. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go Morata.
2: I-, I would go Morata as well. I I think that. This this team will give up some cheap goals this year, um, adapting to a new defensive style under under Maurizio Sarri, and it will it will not necessarily be on Keppa, but I, I think there will be goals conceded. Huddersfield posed zero threat in the in the final third, uh, so you know even a team like Arsenal will be more dangerous, and, and we're going to have a, a transition there. So I'm going with Morata, in in the hopes that he comes good.
0: Mike, what do you think? I, I gotta go, Keppa.
3: I think uh, a one-point lead is gonna be too much for Murata to come back from. So, that's, jeez, that's
1: where I am. Well, uh,
0: I mean, jeez. savage.
1: Oh my gosh. I guess
0: I'm just gonna make assumptions that you guys are assuming that Murata will be leading the line most of the season. Uh, you know, that'll be the key to success for for this kind of comparison. Whether or not that happens will be a little bit of a
1: different thing. Um, you know, next. And and, and to, to caveat to caveat, we were talking about. Premier League, because it's not necessarily fair to add in all the other kind of competitions sure. that you may be considering. Like, we'll keep it just specific to Premier League.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, then the the next two that we're going to wrap up with are, are specific to the midfield, obviously a hot topic lately, uh, is the first one is Fabregas. So at Ahmed underscore Helfawi saying, where do you see Fabregas in the sorry ball style? You know, Mike, I know we talked a little bit to Mateo about that and, you know, him kind of... You know, being a little bit more of a maestro rather than a dictator like Jorginho. Um, what do you think? Do you think that Sus could be able to kind of flourish in that three-person attack? Maybe, maybe he'll be the furthest forward midfielder. No, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely. You know, if I'm
3: being harsh on Murata, I think that's in jest mostly because I have hope for him. I, I do not see a future for Fabregas in sorry ball. I don't think he has the legs, and I think that. You know, I think once we see, you know, our new Croatian midfielder, I think I don't think there's going to be room. And I think, you know, between the option of slotting in either a Barkley or RLC, frankly, I don't I don't want to see Fabregas on the field unless unless Jorginho's injured or not there. And
0: let's pray that he doesn't get hurt this year. I mean, Nick, to me, I think that Fabregas has the mind for Sarri Ball, where a lot of these other guys won't. Uh, I think Ruben struggled quite a bit in his little cameo, but I, I, I have patience with that. Like, he came back late to the squad. Uh, he's playing in a very unfamiliar kind of setup, but, I mean, F- Fabregas has quite a few of the traits that Sarri wants, at least I think.
2: Super sub. I think he's going to be really impactful, a la first season Antonio Conte coming off the bench. I think he... It, to, to be fair to him he doesn't have the legs anymore we, we all know that but what he does have again like you said is is the brain and hopefully you know 60th 65th minute he's able to come on give 150 percent play some really intricate passes um not only with our other midfielders but with our forward line and unlock uh part of a you know a stodgy defense um and i think that will be worth its weight in gold potentially. He has a lot of competition, so, you know, we'll have to see kind of what he's able to do. But um, early signs are, are looking good.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, the next one you might kind of talked about is Kovacic. So Dan pushing it to you uh, from Emilio on Instagram saying, what's the point of the Kovacic deal? If there's no option to buy, if he does decent, won't Madrid just take him back?
1: Well, I think that you have to look at the Kovacic deal in relation to two deals, and that's the deal for Courtois leaving and the deal for Kepa incoming. Because if, let's just say, theoretically, you know, 70% of our total transfer allotment... (coughs) Sorry. uh, If 70% of our total transfer allotment actually went to bringing Kepa in and we now had less money to spend on a midfielder or a talented midfielder... That we were looking at, um, maybe someone like, uh, you know, um, Fakir from Lyon, who, you know, plays as a midfielder, second striker. Ultimately, if you don't have the money then to support that deal, well, then what's your option? You can take someone on loan, you can elevate someone from the squad. And it's clear that Sari has talked about the technical ability of Ruben Loftus Cheek. And we've seen Barkley struggle with some of the quick passing required to execute in this game plan. So to me, Kovacic presents two great benefits one it's only costing us a loan fee or there's potentially might be some bundling into the cost that Real Madrid is paying for Courtois that factors into that Two, is he will go back to Real Madrid and most likely still be a substitute you know if he does well here and the Chelsea fans rally around him and support him and he grows to love life in London and love being here players have a lot of power in this world as well. And, you know, then it's going to be down to the valuation of, like, does Chelsea's valuation meet Real Madrid's valuation? And what, thankfully, we've proven in the last couple of windows with Morata, with Courtois, and now with Kovacic, is we can apparently do business with Real Madrid. You know, we, we can't do business with Juventus. Um, We can't—you can barely do business with Napoli. But it seems like Real Madrid is one of the clubs that we actually can do a deal with. And so that leaves me very hopeful that if Kovacic ends up liking it here, that he can, you know— do the, what he needs to do and tell the team that he wants to be here permanently. And then Chelsea Real Madrid can actually work out a negotiation. And you know what? If he flops, if he's terrible and it doesn't work, then we don't have to buy him. So there's a lot of upside to this deal that we have to kind of take. And again, there's a lot of larger context around it than just he's on loan and there may or may not be an option to buy.
0: They broke up. Like, this is mute. Sorry, we just can't talk about it anymore. Like, Mateo broke up with Madrid. It's over. It was fun while it lasted, but it's time to move on. And move on, we will, as that smooth transition to the match preview. Gentlemen, it is time to open up the 2018-2019 season at home. Stanford Bridge, Premier League home opener on August 18th. It is going to be fantastic for you in the United States. Kickoff is a little bit later at 1230 Eastern. I mean, Arsenal, your first match at home. Uh, thank gosh we got the three points, a little bit of momentum. Arsenal getting dinged up a little bit, Nick, and their first match, losing 2-0 to City at their home. You know, nothing really out of the ordinary for that. But how are you feeling? Arsenal have a new manager for the first time in about 100 years. <laughs> Chelsea have a new first, new manager for the first time in three weeks. That's right. <laughs> Where are you at? Where's your head? Where's your heart?
2: Uh, this is screaming uh, super cagey to me. Like I, I think Arsenal, you know, ha, they have a really really tough start to the season. That the Premier League schedulers did no favors to Mister um, Emery, um, and and Chelsea has a little bit of momentum, but you know, not a ton. Uh, the full squad's only been back with Maurizio Sari for about you know, two weeks by the time this game is played. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty on both teams. Um, And I think, you know, it it will, it will end up being a little cagier than, than what we might hope. Um, I I will say this about Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal is going to be the mentally weak team that we've seen in years past anymore. I think with a change in management and uh, certainly some new player additions, that they could certainly uh, shed themselves of all that um, kind of mental fragility that we've made fun of them for for 15 years. So uh, in that light, I would actually like to take them more seriously now than than maybe I would have um, under previous managers. And my hope is, Mike, that the team comes out really wanting to impress the fans and gets off to a quick start maybe scores a goal in the 15th minute or something like that and it takes a little bit of the pressure off of uh mr sorry
3: yeah you know what i'm looking forward to as well as you know while, while speaking of arsenal i mean they were the the boogeyman for conte we have not played well against them under him it was that that one club we couldn't beat so I agree. I think, you know, you throw the city result out the door because that doesn't matter. I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to be highly motivated, especially looking at where they're at the table right now. Um, and I think, I think we're going to duke it out. I, I look at a very high goal scoring match. I'm, I'm predicting five goals. Um, with Chelsea winning, but um,
1: man, we're gonna win five nothing. Yeah. yeah, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. so excited. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm looking more of a, a three-two, but uh, I, I think that I'm looking forward to the matchup of our midfield against theirs because they they did not quite seem how to figure out what they were doing there, and it really left that back four exposed. So I'm 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 looking forward to this. Uh, I think we're gonna have some tasty, uh, some tasty treats out of it.
1: Uh, okay, so he- here's a couple things that uh, are interesting to me. So, Petr, you know, the, with Emery being there uh, and Riso Sorry being here, one thing we don't have to worry about that we have previously is tie-flipping between managers. And you know what? Riso Sorry doesn't wear a tie. Don't have to worry about that. First thing, taking care of advantage Chelsea. Second thing check is now having to play the ball out, and one thing he did not look comfortable doing against Man City, which might have to do with Man City just having an incredible attack, which I also think when you see and uh, Hazard coming down, you'd probably be a little fearful as well, is that he did not look comfortable distributing from the back the way Emery wants right now. So if we think about the fact that, you know, Sarri's implementing this system, Emery's implementing this system, there are some players that are not going to be comfortable. If your goalkeeper is not comfortable with the system, That's a huge problem. So to me, if I'm looking at who's adapted it, who's picked it up and using that as some of my methodology for making a pick and determining comfortability, I'm actually way more jazzed and excited for what Chelsea's going to do on this pitch. And I think they're going to do some absolute friggin' bits against Arsenal right now. And, I'm, uh, I'm, my, my chips are all in. I, I think it could be I, – I, my, my gut is saying 2-1, but I think optimistically I'm going to say like a 3-1 victory uh, because I think the key roles at Chelsea right now are more comfortable with the system than the key roles of Arsenal getting this system put together for Emery.
0: I'm going to slow roll it up, 2 nothing, And if it goes well this weekend, I can tell you it will be 3 nothing next week just gonna t- take it one step at a time this season
2: <laughs> Fif- 15 nothing by week seven <laughs> sounds good
0: uh actually that'd be week 15 but you know who's doing math these days
2: nobody um, no one likes it i'm just
3: messing you I, know what big i'm sorry you know what, big pete didn't look comfortable with as well dan I was wearing that medium-sized uh kit as well he needs, to, he needs to go up a, well, they're, a size they're about, they're about to
1: shift they're gonna shift vendors next year so it's all good there oh, yeah. you know he only has to last one more season than this I mean there, there were comments from Emery afterwards that said that Leno is gonna have you know potentially a shot but <laughs> check is the guy right now yeah um I don't think I, we'll I, see him. I think yeah I I think he could be swapped out next game which would be interesting because then you had another factor is so you know nacho Monreal may or may not be available you take into the fact that, um, was it, uh, Maitland Niles got injured near the end of the game, and he was actually looking to be the brightest spot in that back line. Uh, Klausenatsch is out right now. So their, their defense, you know, at least we have people that have been playing together for a period of time. They mm-hmm. may not be your favorite back four, um, you know, as, as some of these people on our podcast really like. Emerson, I'm, I'm going to stick with Alonzo, Rudiger. Luis, uh, hopefully less Sideshow Bob moments, and asplaquetta are going to be the ones under most pressure because Obama Yang definitely looked up to score in that game and had one or two opportunities where he could have at least brought one back against City. Um, I don't know. I, I generally feel like we are going to be better equipped to go into this game. Because there's a, there's a little bit more settled right now. There's a little bit more familiarity with the players between another, another. and and again, you got to go Conte scoring goals, man. Like if Angola Conte is going to score a goal every game, we are going to walk the Premier League this season. <laughs> Done.
0: Hot takes, baby. Hot takes. Um, I it, you'd be silly not to play check at Stamford Bridge, right? Like it, the fans will be nicer to him. The you know the there's the whole mood and atmosphere will immediately be nicer if, if checks and goal but you know I don't know I don't know how it's gonna go we'll see but uh, anything else you want to put in on this Nick before we wrap it up?
2: Uh, the only thing I would like to add would be that like I I actually don't think that Hazard will start uh, I still think he's coming back and needs to gain fitness um, so I would look for maybe a similar lineup that we fielded this week. Let's hope that Kalamazan-Odoi gets the knock figured out uh, and you know hopefully you know we start to see the integration of some of you know these new players that have, have you know been bought I mean obviously we, we barely touched on on Kepa <laughs> throughout two episodes which is crazy because he's our, he's our most expensive transfer ever but um you know he he played relatively well uh, against Huddersfield let's hope that he does that again maybe see a cameo from Kovacic. who knows
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and just wrap this one up. Again, hopefully feeling that you guys are enjoying the two-part series. uh, We will go ahead and spin around for final thoughts um, before we wrap it up. But, again, thank you to everyone uh, for listening. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts you want to wrap this, uh, this up with?
2: Uh, final thought would be just, a, a again, a massive, massive, massive thank you to everyone who contributed to our, our Veterans Community Project uh, raffle. Um, they are extremely grateful. We are extremely grateful. Uh, we, we hope to use this platform uh, to be a little bit more than just a podcast this year. So uh, if you have ideas or if you know of anyone who's in need of support, along the way, you know, let us know. Uh, we're we're always interested to see what we can do. Um so yeah, again, just I, I could not say it anymore from the bottom of my bottom of my heart. Thank you.
3: Awesome. Mike, what about you? You know, we you know we were looking at we, we finally got a penalty given to us and we scored in the fortieth plus minute to close out a half. Uh this is our season. I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very
0: excited. Things are changing. Love it. I love it absolutely. Dan what about you?
1: Well, not not officially official, but probably by the time someone listens to this, that Bakayoko will have completed a loan with obligation or option to buy to AC Milan for close to or near the amount that we paid for him, which, uh, again, you can fault Chelsea for a lot of things. Uh, getting fleeced on a deal, or at least when they're selling a player, is not something they make a habit of. So credit to uh, the board for that. And, you know, ultimately... You just hope for someone who came in was highly touted, had to deal with an injury, had to deal with multiple injuries, and probably got played more than he should in bad positions under a system that didn't fit him terribly well. That he goes AC Milan and has a great, great opportunity to rejuvenate and revive his career in a really positive way, because that's what we would just wish for him. So uh, bye, bye, Yoko and uh, you know we'll we'll have to throw that song away.
0: Awesome. All right, well, I'm going to end it up with the fact that, you know, speaking of Petr Cech coming to Chelsea, just would like to point out that he got the move he wanted to a local rival and the fans still sing his name, yet Courtois gets his dream move and no one's going to be singing his name when he comes back, at least not in a friendly way. But we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, After today, I won't be bitter. My rants, my feelings are over, but had to make sure I got it all out. So until next time, Chelsea fans, We've got Arsenal at the weekend. It's going to be a big one. Get out to your pubs. Find your Chelsea in America chapters. If you don't have one, make one. Start building Chelsea communities all over. We are loving getting involved with our own here. So we're going to head out there, spend it with our friends, and we think you should too. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.